Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Why does God ask questions? Think about it. God knows everything. Why would he ever ask a question? Why did God, way back in the Garden of Eden, why did he ask Adam and Eve where they were? They were hiding. Did he not know exactly where they were? Of course he knew where they were. But he wanted to give them a chance to think about what had changed as a result of their sin. And even though God already knew the answer, he wanted to give them the chance to respond, to repent. What about this question with Isaiah? It goes out to Isaiah and he hears it. Doesn't God already know the answer? He wants to give Isaiah the chance to think about what had changed because of grace. And he wanted to give Isaiah the chance to respond in faith. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. And we hear about Isaiah's calling. We read from Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and, sh- and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, This has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This is God's word. So last week, we distributed calendars. And these calendars, they outline all of the different spiritual growth programs that are coming up in the year 2022. And it's quite a big year for our church. Not just because of how the programs are placed on the calendar, but because of where those programs are are pushing us. Outreach wasn't entirely put on pause during the pandemic but it was a bit more subdued. And so now as we're getting into 2022, it seems like it's the time to revamp those efforts. Every one of us has a calling to to turn out to the community, 
and to share this good news of the gospel. We've, we've been entrusted with this good news, and there are people out there who need to hear it. We as a church, we bring real peace to real people through Christ Jesus, and we have the chance to do that. It's a big year for every one of us. Now, as I talk about this, as I talk about this idea of of sharing your faith with others, I'm really curious as to the feelings that are floating around in the room right now. Maybe there's some excitement. Maybe there's some nerves. Maybe a little bit of doubt. Maybe there's there's a desire to say, well, I think I'm just going to sort of sit this one out. But wherever it is that you're feeling right now, eventually, I want to end up at the same place. Because wherever it is that you are, the good news makes a great difference. It changes the way that we see God, our King. And it changes the way that we serve Him in His kingdom. The good news changes the way that we see our King. I think, I think we need to start there. If we're really going to come to grips with our understanding, our hesitancy about sharing our faith and, and talking to others about God, we first need to think about how we see God in our own lives. We, we need to see God clearly. Isaiah certainly saw the Lord. He saw the king, and it scared the living daylights out of him. Isaiah was there, and towering over him was the Lord, seated on this heavenly throne. The majestic robe filled the entire expanse of the temple, and there's angels surrounding him on the throne. They have six wings. With two wings, they're covering their face. Two wings, they're covering their feet, and two wings waving up and down, flying in the air around the Lord. And from what appears to be out of nowhere, from behind these angelic wings, comes that piercing proclamation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah hears these words. They reverberate through his ears And they shake the rock-solid foundation of the temple. Isaiah is is trembling. The panic sets in. The sweat pours out. And as he's trying to control his breathing, he gets a deep inhale of the smoke that had just filled the air. What in the world had just happened? One minute, Isaiah's standing in there there in the temple. It's empty. And the next second, the full majesty, the full holiness of God is taking up the temple. One second, Isaiah's standing there as calm as could be. And the next second, he's shaking on the ground in a cloud of smoke, and he's doubting his very existence on the planet. Did you hear what he said? Woe to me. I'm ruined. I'm done for. What do we make of those words from Isaiah? What does his reaction tell us about him? Maybe the the better question is, what don't we hear from Isaiah? We don't hear any pleas for mercy. 
no hope of forgiveness. It seems like, at least at this time, Isaiah didn't really have any grasp on the grace of God. He was in a dark place, the place of, of deep despair. And the majestic radiance of the heavenly court had exposed that in his heart. Isaiah looked up and he could only see this king seated on a throne of judgment. He could only feel the king towering over him in holy righteousness. So it makes us think, how do we see our God? How do we look at that king? Are we with Isaiah shaking on the ground in despair? If all of a sudden the the lofty ceiling of our sanctuary here was filled with the, the majestic robe of God and the angelic throng, would you be crawling under the chairs or running out the exit doors? Exposed. Pure terror. It's a dark place to be. No pleas for mercy, no hope of forgiveness, not a real grasp on the grace of God. But maybe that's not where you are at all. It's sort of a a spectrum, really. And maybe you hear this story from Isaiah, and it does absolutely nothing. Instead, you, you see your king, you see God, and you think, what king? Who is this king? If, if he's really the king, he must be way up there in heaven, way exalted in heaven, because he doesn't really seem to be doing anything down here. At least not in my life. Not right now. That can be a, a really scary place to be too. It's a place of, of disregard. Disinterest in God. Wherever it is that you find yourself on this spectrum, on whatever day, God sees through it. He exposes these attitudes in our hearts. Isaiah certainly felt exposed as he's shaking on the ground. He saw no way out. But what Isaiah did see next, totally unexpected, unasked, undeserved. One of the seraphim that was around the throne of God flies down to the altar, the place of sacrifice. And with tongs, he grabs a coal and flies back to Isaiah, brings that coal and touches Isaiah's unclean lips. And that's when Isaiah hears the good news. See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. All of that despair that was in Isaiah's heart had suddenly disappeared. The terror that he had had felt from looking at God was replaced with genuine awe and adoration of his king. Good news makes a great difference. What we see happen in, in God's plan of salvation, totally unexpected. Unasked, Undeserved. We see the holy king of God leave his throne in heaven to live here on earth. And instead of being surrounded by those seraphim, he's surrounded by Roman soldiers 
And they're calling out, Hail, King of the Jews. He's wearing a a purple robe. And the train of that robe leaves a trail of blood on the stone floor. And the, the piercing proclamation of the crowd that shakes the foundations of the praetorium, crucify him, crucify him. So God's son walks to the cross, the place of sacrifice. Look up and see your king pouring over you. Gaze at your king in all his glory and see that this king didn't come to destroy sinners, but that he came to destroy sin. And that he does care tremendously for his people. He left heaven to come to earth to show you that. Good news makes a great difference. And before you take that good news and share it with others, you need to hear it for yourself. And you need to experience the grace of God. Isaiah, he felt it on his lips. He heard it in his ears. And the same is is true for you. The Lord comes to you with his body and with his blood. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Your sins are forgiven. And so when you feel like you're trembling in fear of your sin, hear the good news that your guilt is taken away. And when you feel like you've disregarded or ignored God, hear the good news that your sin is atoned for. Now you can stand before your king, wearing your own robe of perfect holy righteousness. And you can look up and see your king clearly, and you can see that he is actually smiling down upon you. Good news makes a great difference. It takes what's unclean and makes it clean. It takes what's unholy and makes it holy. It takes what should be ruined and it restores it. But the good news does even more than that. Not only do we see our king clearly, but the good news changes the way that we serve that king in his kingdom. Up until this point with Isaiah, we haven't heard anything from God. Isn't that something? We heard the angel's words, we heard Isaiah's words, and we saw the angel flying to the altar, and we heard the good news from the angel. But the king who's sitting on the throne has remained completely silent. But when it comes to the matter of appointing messengers to send out in the kingdom, God wants his voice to be clearly heard. And so finally we hear the voice of the Lord, and he asks, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Why does God ask questions? Think about it. God knows everything. Why would he ever ask a question? Why did God, way back in the Garden of Eden, why did he ask Adam and Eve where they were? They were hiding. Did he not know exactly where they were? Of course he knew where they were. But he wanted to give them a chance to think about what had changed as a result of their sin. And even though God already knew the answer, 
He wanted to give them the chance to respond, to repent. What about this question with Isaiah? It goes out to Isaiah and he hears it. Doesn't God already know the answer? He wants to give Isaiah the chance to think about what had changed because of grace. And he wanted to give Isaiah the chance to respond in faith. Good news. The good news had made such a difference in Isaiah's life. This question wasn't even really directly addressed to Isaiah, and yet he answers God, here am I, send me. Isn't that great? He doesn't even ask any details. He doesn't say, what am I supposed to say? Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to say it? He just says, send me. He is so excited to serve his king. And that question that that goes out to Isaiah, it's not really directly addressed to him, not really directly addressed to anyone at all. And it makes me think God wants us to hear that same question. Who will go for God? We're we're hearing that question as, as clearly as Isaiah did. And is our response, me, me, me? Or are we letting that call go unanswered? Why is it, do you think, that we don't want to talk about our faith more? Is it, does it feel awkward to bring that up? Does it, does it feel cliche at times? Or maybe in our individualistic lives, we think of faith as this, it's a relationship between me and God. And and no one else needs to know a thing about it. But at what point does does sharing that eternal comfort outweigh an uncomfortable conversation? Or maybe we think that Isaiah's response is, is a bit naive. He didn't ask God for any details at all, but we need the details. We need to know exactly what to say. We need to know exactly how to say it, when to say it, whom to say it to. But when, when are these genuine, godly concerns, and when are they just excuses? Because there comes a time when we just need to speak. We have the words, the same good news that we have heard is the same good news that we share with others. Maybe you think you don't know all the Bible stories. You don't know the Bible quite well enough to be able to do that. You have your story to share. It's, it's such a powerful story. Once I was a sinner. I'm saved. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was dead in my sins, and now I am alive in Christ. This is your story to share. It doesn't need to be complicated either. As I saw the the scripture readings that we have this morning, I was reminded of a hymn verse. So the, the two scripture readings that we had, we have Isaiah, the song from the angels, right? Holy, holy, holy. And then we have these words from the Apostle Paul. And this is how the hymn verse goes. If you cannot speak like angels, if you cannot preach like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus. You can say, 
He died for all. Isn't that beautiful? You can say, He died for all. I know you can do it. I've heard it from your own lips this morning. I heard you say, Blessed are they whose sins the Lord does not count against them. You'll be saying it in just a moment here as we confess our faith. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. In the prayer of the church, we'll be praying for the gospel ministry to spread to the ends of the earth. In the Lord's prayer, we pray that God's kingdom come. These words that we say, that we pray, that we sing in church, these are the words to share. I still don't know exactly how you're feeling about all of this. There might still be some questions, maybe some nerves. That's okay. You are standing before your king. and He's smiling down upon you. That's how I know that this morning we did end up at the same place. We're all recipients of that good news. We've all been changed by that good news And now we've all been called to share that good news. It's a big year at peace. And we're just getting started. Let's pray. Dear Lord, here we are. Send us. Amen.